0: The Rites of Mithras When the Persian mysteries immigrated into southern Europe, they were quickly assimilated by the Latin mind. The cult grew rapidly, especially among the Roman soldiery. During the Roman wars of conquest, the teachings were carried by the legionaries to nearly all parts of Europe. So powerful did the cult of Mithras become that at least one Roman emperor was initiated into the order, which met in caverns under the city of Rome. Concerning the spread of this mystery school through different parts of Europe, C.W. King, in his Gnostics and the Remains, says, this great and bath relatives cut in the faces of rocks, on stone tablets still abound in the countries formerly the western provinces of the Roman Empire. Many exist in Germany, still more in France, and in this island, Britain, they have often been discovered on the lines of the Picts Walls and noted one at Bath. Alexander Wilder, in his Philosophy and Ethics of the Zoroaster, states that Mithras is the Zen title for the sun, he is opposed to dwell within the shining aura. Mithras has a male and female aspect, though not himself androgynous. As Mithras, he is the lord of the sun, powerful and radiant, and most magnificent of the yazatas. Izzas, or genie of the sun. As Mithra, this deity represents the feminine principle. The mundane universe is recognized as her symbol. She represents nature as receptive and terrestrial, and as fruitful only when bathed in the glory of the solar orb. The Mithraic cult is a simplification of the more elaborate teachings of Zarathustra, of Zoroaster, the Persian fire magician. According to the Persians, there coexisted in eternity two principles. The first of these, Ahura Mazda, or Osmos, was the spirit of good. From Ormuz came forth a number of hierarchies of good and powerful spirits, angels and archangels. The second of these eternally existing principles was called Ahriman. It was also a pure and beautiful spirit, but he later rebelled against Ormuz, being jealous of his power. This did not occur, however, until after Ormuz had created light, Or previously Ahriman had been conscious of the existence of Ormuz. Because of this jealousy and rebellion, Ahriman became the spirit of evil. From himself, he individualized a host of destructive creatures to endure Ormuzd. When Ormuzd created the earth, Armin entered into its grosser elements. Whenever Ormuzd did a good deed, Armin placed the principle of evil within it. At last, when Ormuzd created the human race, Armin became the incarnate in the lower nature of man, so that in each personality, the spirit of good and the spirit of evil struggle for control. For 3,000 years, Ormus rules the celestial world with life and goodness. Then he created man. For another 3,000 years, he ruled man with wisdom and integrity. Then the power of Ahriman began. The struggle for the soul of man continues through the next period of 3,000 years. During the fourth period of 3,000 years, the power of Araman will be destroyed. Good will return to the world again. Evil and death will be vanquished. And at last, the spirit of evil will bow humbly before the throne of Ormus. While Ormuzd and Ahriman are struggling for control of the human soul and for supremacy in nature, Mithras, the god of intelligence, stands as mediator between the two. Many authors have noted the similarity between Mercury and Mithras, as the chemical Mercury acts as a solvent, according to alchemists, so Mithras seeks to harmonize the two celestial opposites. There are many points of resemblance between Christianity and the cult of Mithras, one of the reasons for this probably is that the Persian mystics invaded Italy during the first century after Christ, and the early history of both cults was closely interwoven. The Encyclopedia Britannica makes the following statement concerning the Mithraic and Christian mysteries. The fraternal and democratic spirit of the first communities and their humble origin, the identification of the subject of adoration with light and the sun, the legends of the shepherds with their gifts and adoration, the flood and the ark, the representation in art of the fiery chariot. The drawing of water from the rock, use of the bell and candle, holy water and communion, the sanctification of Sunday, and of the twenty fifth of September or December. The insistence on moral conduct and the emphasis placed on absence, self control, the doctrine of heaven and hell, a primitive revelation, of the mediation of the logos emanating from the divine, the atoning sacrifice and constant warfare between good and evil, and the final triumph of the former. The immortality of the soul, the last judgment, the resurrection of the flesh, and the fiery destruction of the universe. These are some of the resemblances which, whether real or only apparent, enabled Mithraism to prolong its resistance to Christianity. The rites of Mithras were performed in caves. Porphyry, in his Cave of the Nymphs, states that Zarathustra, or Zarathustra, was the first to consecrate a cave to the worship of God. Because the cavern was symbolic of the earth, or the lower world of darkness. John P. Lundy, in his Monumental Christianity, describes the cave of Mithras as follows. This cave was adorned with signs of the zodiac, Cancer, and Capricorn. The summer and winter solstices were chiefly conspicuous as the gates of souls descending into this life or passing out of it in their ascent to the gods, Cancer being the gate of descent and Capricorn of ascent. These are the two avenues of the immortals passing up and down from heaven to earth, and from earth to heaven. And so-called the chair of St. Peter in Rome was believed to have been used in one of the pagan mysteries, possibly that of Mithras, in whose subterranean grottos the votaries of the Christian mysteries met in the early days of their faith. In Anacolosis, Godfrey Higgins writes that in 1662, while cleaning the sacred chair of Barge Odomos, the twelve labors of Hercules were discovered upon, and that later the French discovered upon the same chair the Mohammedan Confession of Faith written in Arabic. Initiations into the rites of Mithras, like initiations into many other secret schools of philosophy, apparently consisted of three important degrees. Preparation for the degrees consisted of self-purification, the building up of the intellectual powers, and the control of the animal nature. In the first degree, the candidate was given a crown upon the point of the sword, and instructed in the mysteries of Mithras' hidden power. Probably, he was taught that the golden crown represented his own spiritual nature, which must be objectified and unfolded before he could truly glorify Mithras. For Mithras was his own soul, standing as a mediator between Ormuz, his spirit, and Ariman, his animal nature. In the second degree he was given the armor of intelligence and purity and sent into the darkness of subterranean pits to fight the beasts of lust, passion and degeneracy. In the third degree he was given a cape upon which were drawn or woven the signs of the zodiac and other astronomical symbols. After his initiations were over, he was hailed as one who had risen from the dead, was instructed in the secret teachings of the Persian mystics, and became a full-fledged member of the order candidates who successfully passed the Mithraic initiations were called lions and were marked upon their foreheads with the Egyptian cross. Mithras himself is often pictured with the head of a lion and two pairs of wings. Throughout the entire ritual were repeated references to the birth of Mithras as the sun god, his sacrifice for man, his death that men and have eternal life, and lastly, his resurrection and the saving of all humanity by his intercession before the throne of Ormuz. While the cult of Mithras did not reach the philosophic heights attained by Zarathustra, its effects upon the civilization of the Western world were far-reaching. For at one time nearly all of Europe was converted to its doctrines. Rome, in her intercourse with other nations, inoculated them with her religious principles, and many later institutions have exhibited Mithraic culture. The reference to the lion, the grip of the lion's paw in the Master Mason's degree, had a strong Mithraic tinge. It may easily have originated from this cult. A ladder of seven rungs appears in the Mithraic Initiation. Faber is of the opinion that this ladder was originally a pyramid of seven steps. It is possible the Masonic Ladder with seven rungs had its origin in this Mithraic symbol. Women were never permitted to enter the Mithraic Order, but children of the male sex were initiates long before they reached maturity. The refusal to permit women to join the Masonic Order may be based on the esoteric reason given in the secret instructions of the Mithraic. This cult is another excellent example of those secret societies whose legends are largely symbolic representations of the sun and his journey through the houses of the heavens. Mithras rising from a stone is merely the sun rising over the horizon, or as the ancients supposed, out of the horizon at the vernal equinox. John O'Neill disputes the theory that Mithras is intended as a solar deity. In *The Night of the Gods*, he writes, "The Avestan Mithra, the of light, has ten thousand eyes high with full knowledge." Strong and sleepless and ever awake, the supreme god, Ahura Mazda, also has one eye. It also it is said that with his eyes, the sun, moon, and stars, he sees everything. The theory that Mithra was originally a title of the supreme heaven's god, putting the sun out of court, is the only one that answers all requirements. It will be evident that here we have origins in abundance with the Freemason's eye and its nonchum donio. The reader must not confuse the Persian Mithra with the Vedic Mitra. According to Alexander Wilder, the Mithraic rite superseded the mysteries of Bacchus and became the foundation of the gnostic system, which for many centuries prevailed in Asia, Egypt, and even the remote West. End of 6.